And what's up? How's it going, everybody? GC Live here. Chris Clark, rocking the mix in a water shirt. I actually just <laughs> noticed that, man. I, what Chris and I always talk briefly before we go live. I did not notice the mix in a water shirt. Mine has not arrived yet. I need to check on that. It should probably be here pretty soon. Um, dude, I saw a mix in the water shirt uh, at my gym last week. So uh, Look at that. The, the craze is uh, is all over Columbia. Again, he's Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. This is GC Live. This is the Monday episode of the show. We are brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Uh, check out anything you need to know about Clint at clinthammond.com. His NMLS number is 71597. Clint is, of course, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network right over across from Dreher High School. Great offices over there. 803-576-4450. And uh, you see Clint's uh, message above our head every single day, and that's because he is our presenting sponsor, uh, ClintHammond.com. If you're in the market for a new home, or maybe you just want to see about refinancing and saving yourself some money, Clint will walk you through all of your options, uh, whether it's new to you or whether you're a veteran in this type of stuff, Clint will take care of you. And we appreciate Clint taking care of us. Um, uh, Chris, Texas A&M also took care of the Gamecocks on Saturday night. Um, this was one of those games that I, you know, I, I was on JB and Goldwater earlier, like I am every Monday. And I don't think anybody expected South Carolina to win this game. You know, may, maybe, maybe in house, like maybe, uh, you know, in the ops building, um, you know, you'd hope the majority of the guys go into the game expecting to win, um, even if they know maybe it's stacked against them a little bit. But most of the fan base going in, dude, I, I think sort of had a realistic thought process from the the Twitter stuff I saw, the chat stuff we see on here, Gamecock Central message boards. But um, you know, the more I thought about it, the more I talked through it on, on JB and Goldwater, I think, um, you know, we're going to talk offense today. Of course, we've, we've had to talk offense for, for eight weeks now, but that's that's the conversation right now. And to me, man, that, that A&M defense was as close as South Carolina has seen to what they saw week three at Georgia. I, now, I, I still think Georgia is, you know, the best defense in the country. Best defense South Carolina will see all year. I believe A&M is the second best defense that South Carolina has seen this year by my eye. And to me, man, you just would have wanted and hoped if you're a Carolina fan to be able to compare the two and, like, see that progress on the field um, from earlier in the season to now, you know, week eight. And not only did you not see that, and the thing that I think just probably really – irks Carolina fans, and rightfully so, is um, just how it played out on offense, the fact that they were never really able to threaten. Like, I, I think I think it's one thing, man. It's still frustrating, but it's one thing if you're moving the football and, you know, then the, the other team is just going to make a play on you or you move the football, but you don't score as many as you think or hope you should. But they literally – for for large portions of this game, we're just not even able to move the football. So that dude, that's very frustrating for fans to watch. And hey, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. That picture, you know, the graphic in the third quarter when you look 
and um, Carolina has six yards of offense. I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. So, I don't, you know, nobody's piling on. I don't think anybody's piling on. Nobody's, like, being unfair. It's just when you have six yards of offense in the third quarter, I, I get every last bit of frustration from the fans with what they're seeing on the offensive side of the ball. Well, and, and the thing is, Wes, that was six yards, okay, at almost the end of the third quarter. I think there's two minutes and 33 seconds or 2.23 left on the clock in the third quarter. So almost the fourth quarter and you have six yards of offense. Too many negative plays, too many plays that went for absolutely nothing. You know, were there now there were issues in special teams, there were issues on defense. Those weren't good enough either. But what it boils down to, to, to use your, your term that you talk about with complimentary football, is this offense hasn't put the Gamecocks in position for the vast majority of the year to have success because those things do all work hand in hand. Field position for a team that has as low a margin of error as South Carolina has is critical. And that's why turnovers have been so important for this team, you know, to be able to stay in some games, to be able to win some games that it has won this year. The offensive performance on Saturday, I mean, you're right. There there hasn't been progression. It looks worse. Now you can you can adjust it, right, based on opponent. And I, I agree with you that AM is one of the top three to four defenses. It might be number two, it might be number three, number four. You could argue, you know, based on some certain factors of what it is. Um and and you look you can look look at the personnel and say, well, there's some issues here. The quarterback situation has been unsettled. The bottom line is it's not good enough. And I think a lot of people have rightly pointed out that while the expectations for this offense should not have been huge going into this year, you know, the expectation was you'd be able to run the ball some, show some progression in some areas, and they haven't done that. The the run game has regressed. Um, There's nothing that this team has been able to hang its hat on. There's nothing they can major in. There's not an identity of any sort, even one that shifted throughout the year. There just hasn't been any of that there. And I think Saturday's game was the most jarring and painful example of that because these issues have been here all year. And then you want run into a really good defense on the road. They kind of ran into a buzzsaw and all those things were exposed again. Wes, I think it was on Friday's show. We were kind of talking about the past couple A&M games that led up to this one. You know, the 2019 game, the 2020 game in Columbia last year was obviously a terrible one. We were talking about how that was kind of set the wheels in motion for the end of the Will Muschamp era in, in year five. And we were sitting here talking about this game and, hey, neither of us are picking South Carolina. Here's a concern. Here's a concern. Here's a concern. It's not a great matchup, et cetera. We both picked South Carolina to lose this game. But one of us or both of us said, uh, and I don't think it'll be bad as last year, but, man, it was worse. I mean, they just – you came away from that game last season, A&M in Columbia, saying they just couldn't do anything. And, and it was the same – it was the same deal this season. And and that that stat that you talked about, that it's now been memed, gif, whatever, not a gif, but a meme, six yards, you know, in the third quarter with, with 223 left. It's not good. And I have a bunch of other stats, Wes, on the offense that we can get into sometime because every week I break down what I saw on Saturday in the Monday Insider Report. Honestly, I almost kind of threw up my hands at this one 
because there there were some little storylines to dive into along the way. There's some things to talk about. There weren't many positives at all until you look later in the game with some certain things. I took a more big picture view of what has happened to get to this point and where do things go from here. And certainly the statistics offensively for this year are not misleading. You know, kind of what you what you see in the statistics is what you've seen on the field, and they're not pretty. Yeah, and I, I would dare say, man, the, the final score, 44-14, wasn't really even indicative of how lopsided the game truly was. Um, I will say this. I'll give A&M a lot of credit. Like, to me, man, that's – if they if they only had one if they only had one loss at this point I would be saying that's a playoff team right there like they to, but to and, and I'm not saying that in any way again go back to what we said at the very beginning not good enough for South Carolina offensively uh, to me if you if you want another example of like how how far there is to go from a roster standpoint that to me that that's uh that, that that's your example, like right there, like watching what AM had top to bottom. Um, you know, South Carolina has a very good defensive line. Like they have talent at def- on the defensive line. But, you know, even at that position, man, I'm 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 watching AM's depth and athleticism and size at that position. Um their depth on defense, uh, dude. They I mean, that that's how you want an SEC team to look. And I, I think it it gives you another example. Like I, I get this that there's there's so much to get into right now if you wanted to go big picture. I get this thing of like, well, hey, South Carolina has talent. South Carolina has enough talent to be to be winning. Um I agree that South Carolina has enough talent to be better on offense than they are right now. Yep. Does South Carolina have the talent to be contending in the SEC East right now? From a roster standpoint, no shot, no shot. Look, look at what look at what Georgia has. Look at what Florida is going to come in with next week. Um, and Florida is not even an elite team. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, look, look, look at A and M. Take a real hard look at A and M's roster and the way those dudes looked against South Carolina on Saturday. That's what you're trying to get to, or closer to that from a athleticism, size, speed standpoint. So um, it's kind of one of those things, man, the nuanced answer is in between. It's not that South Carolina has no talent. Um, do they have the talent where you're sitting here saying they should be competing and, and you know winning 10 games right now? No, 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 no. Uh, should they have six yards? Should any SEC team have six yards of offense deep into the third quarter of a football game? No, it just, it just it just should not happen, and I and I under and I do understand grad assistant at quarterback. You know, like it's it's not it's not all roses on the offensive side by any means. But dude, there A and M's in the backfield like the entire first three quarters of the game. Like their guys are just in the backfield. Like didn't matter if it was a run, a pass, a, and it's for me, Chris. And I'm going on and on and on and on here, but. It's that it's it's not it's not play calling, and we've talked about this before. In my opinion, it's not play calling like in the literal sense of the word play calling. 
I know people sometimes use play calling to mean like broader things. In the literal sense of it, it's not necessarily the play calling. There's probably there's probably been some good plays and some bad plays called. But to me, it goes much deeper than that. It goes all the way back to what you're running offensively, to your scheme, to your installation of that scheme, to your approach on offense, and the decision to go super pro style. These plays will work, but I have my doubts about can they work in college, in year one, with guys who aren't necessarily across the board a fit for what you're trying to do offensively. And then the question becomes, can you recruit to what people are seeing right now? Because if you are going to add players, which they have to do, Absolutely have to do. If you're getting this turned around, you have to keep adding players. If you're going to add players, you have to be able to show progress on the field. You have to be able to show a plan. You have to be able to show an offense that people get excited about. So in order to do that, can, can you do that with what we're seeing on the field right this second? That's tough, man. Because the proposition. Yeah, I mean, you, you have – multiple angles here and one is recruiting right if things were going pretty well this year meaning in an ideal world you know let's not throw out numbers or anything but let's say South Carolina's offense is generally performing better where you know let's say they're still running the football pretty well they put up more points maybe they have another win or even two under their belt you know and people can see that progress Nothing would change in recruiting. They still got to add players. They would still have to upgrade this roster at multiple positions to build depth, to get more talented. That would not change at all. It's the exact same thing. But now what you've got is you've got that, and you've got the fact that what they're doing offensively, this isn't even really a point you can argue, you know, this many games into the year. It's not working. Now, can it get fixed? How does it get fixed? Whatever. I mean, that's another discussion. But it hasn't worked this year because it, whether you go by statistical measures, it's not working. Win-loss record, you know, not as good as hoped. Even that, that that part's not the worst of this, right? The offensive actual production itself is the worst. And just the eyeball test, you know, I mean, you, you go by that, it's not good either. Now what you've got is you've got a situation where you've got carryover, potentially. It's exactly what you were saying is, as you're trying to recruit to your system and you're trying to add playmakers to play in this offense, are you going to end up being hamstrung by what the product that you put on the field? Because a new staff, you can go in with your brand new coordinators, your, your entire staff, you're together for the first time. You're trying to sell playing time, culture, facilities, SEC affiliation, um, and you're trying to sell hope ultimately of, hey, get in here and build this program up play in this offense or play in this defense or d- be developed by this guy on special teams, right? You can point to those things. Um, it was already a little bit different with Marcus Satterfield because there wasn't, you know, there was some body of work, a body of work from past offenses. If you looked at Temple or Tennessee Tech, et cetera, or you said, hey, we're going to pull this, we're going to pull this from this team, this from this team or coordinator, a little bit tougher to conceptualize, Right. But now there is a concept of what it is, and what it is has not been good. And so that becomes a tougher sell. 
the programs that South Carolina is going to have to recruit against, needs to recruit against, to land difference-making type players, most of them, all of them, are more established, have, you know, kind of defined identities, have production um, in certain phases of the game, say on offense, you know, I mean, they have those things to where it becomes a lot tougher, you know, to, to recruit to that. So that's why when those two things meet problems that you're having on the field, the need to recruit playmakers, if, if it becomes tougher for you to recruit even, then that's, that opens up a whole nother can of worms, you know, it makes it a lot more difficult on you to, to actually get better. Well, and the, here's the thing, man, if, if you're recruiting in the Southeast right now, uh, for the guys you want, for the guys you really want that can turn this thing around, you got Georgia, maybe the best team in the country. Um, not that South Carolina goes head to head necessarily with Clemson as much as you would even think, but Clemson struggled on offense, but they still have a, a great uh, recent history of results on the field they can point to. North Carolina, disappointing season. They've been tearing it up in the state of North Carolina. And now you have Tennessee putting up numbers, um, you know, in, in their offense under a first-year coach. And, and guess what? You're you're battling to try to get Antonio Williams. Really, that when I, when I talk about recruiting right now, when I'm talking about offensive guys and skill players, I'm talking about one guy, really, as far as uncommitted players. I'm talking about the need to get Antonio Williams 30 minutes down the road from Irmo, South Carolina, to Columbia, South Carolina. And you're battling Ole Miss right now. So, I mean, that's that's I don't have to spell that out. I, I think, um, you know, Justin Stepp, Eric Kimry, those guys have done a fantastic job recruiting the kid. You know, all other things being equal, maybe he's already committed, but, um, you know, that's not the case right now. They're still going to have to battle for him. Um, and they need him, man. He'd come in and play. Landon Sampson will come in and play. Um, it's just about being able to put them in a position to come in and, and succeed and feel like they're, they're going to succeed. So um, we'll, we'll dive back more, back into the offense a little bit more as the show goes on. I do want to get to one thing before we get rolling and, and forget about it. Um, first of all, what what was your evaluation um, of Jason Brown? This was really his uh, his first extensive action for, for South Carolina this year. Um, I, I I think Chris, you know, we we have to acknowledge it was late in the game. Have to acknowledge the other team isn't doing the same things defensively that they would be early in the game. But then, you know, we also have to acknowledge the things he did uh, well in what was truly his first opportunity to go play within the offense against a real opponent. So uh, what, what was your evaluation there? Well, I thought, actually, Wes, that the watching him on Saturday kind of in some ways encapsulated like what we thought about Jason Brown, right? That um, there were some moments where – there are certainly some throws or decisions that you'd like to have back. You know, um, that was one thing that we knew. And, and really, this has been the case with all the quarterbacks we've seen play in some form or fashion of just taking better care of the football, right? But that was one thing that we heard, you know, throughout the spring, summer, preseason is, you know, ball security, decision-making. Those are things that Jason Brown 
um, needed to work on some. And so we did see that within the game. I think we also saw some of the other stuff in that he has a knack in the pocket. You know, Shane Beamer says gamer a lot, and he showed that. I think uh, obviously A&M was in the backfield a lot, even at that juncture in the game. And Brown was able to navigate, to buy time, to run around um, and make some plays. And so that was an interesting and I think in that game needed um, and, and maybe even needed going forward aspect. He also, you know, physically, um, from an arm talent standpoint, he can make some throws sometimes that are impressive, you know. So I thought it kind of embodied, you know, I, I guess the the Jason Brown experience, you know, so far. Uh, but there were some interesting things, and I think his performance in that game, putting it in the proper context and timing and all that, you know, probably leads to some questions of will he play more going forward? Probably a fair question. Yeah, and – without being like message board poster a who just automatically um love you guys but uh, y'all y'all know y'all know who you are you see a small sample size some of you and just extrapolate it out and say that's uh that's who that guy is he better be playing not not to be that guy but if it's me if i'm making a decision man i i'm 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 playing jason brown more j- just to find out because I, I I look at it almost kind of the way NFL teams look at quarterbacks. I mean, they, they go land a guy, right? They they either trade for a guy or they draft a guy. And then at some point, you know, they try to ease them in, but at some point they say, go play. They, they release you um, out onto the field and they say, good luck, buddy. We hope you're our franchise quarterback. And... For about four quarters, their fans are excited, and they're like, "Man, Sam Darnold, he uh, he sure does look good with this Joe Brady calling now. Like this guy, it's just because of the Jets. Like, uh, man, if he'd have been here this whole time, this guy probably would be a Pro Bowler. And then, you know, the guy plays a little bit more, plays, and then you start to see a couple little warts. You know, you start to see." maybe what's wrong, and and guys start to say, well, you know, that wasn't perfect, but I still like what we have with this guy. He's still learning. He's still learning. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. And then that quarterback gets the benefit of the doubt. If he's really highly rated, he gets the benefit of the doubt even longer. He gets the benefit of the doubt right up to the point that you see a report from Joe Person this week that the Panthers are also interested in Deshaun Watson. So that is the life cycle of a quarterback. You're our dude until you're not. And if I'm South Carolina, you know you know for a fact two things right now. One of them is that Luke Doty is out for the season right now. Like that that's a fact. Two, you know that Zeb Nolan does not have another year of eligibility after this one. There's another thing you know. You know that Jason Brown does have a year of eligibility left if he wants to use it. So to me, I just got to know, like we keep using this word gamer, but let's find out. Let, let's just go see. I, not to say South Carolina should use the last four games as like a playground situation because you you do still have an outside shot of getting to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, A, it would excite the fans a little bit. B, you know, maybe the guy just takes off and 
It starts clicking. He eliminates some of the errors while keeping some of the big playability. And, you know, and and he sparks your offense a little bit. I, I would just be curious to find out, even if it is a little bit of a long shot that that happens, man. I I don't know, dude. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jason Brown gets a start down the stretch. Like, I, I really I really would not. I wouldn't be surprised if he started against Florida. Like, I, I just I, – I think you give the dude a shot. So, you did, you had uh... – I think three points and then an A and a B. So I'll call it, I'll call it five. I'm going to add a sixth. Okay. And that is in addition to everything you said, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, here's another one, number six or uh, F or something like that. It can't get much worse than what we've seen. So all the moves that we saw coming into this year and so far, I think you could say they made sense, you know, and I'm having a little bit of like a flashback to last season when there was all these all this talk about the quarterback situation and play this guy, don't play Colin Hill, do whatever. But there was always an argument on either side to be made about why something made sense. I think obviously it made sense to have Luke Doty be the starter going into the season. That made sense. When Zeb Nolan, you know, suited up on August 23rd or whatever day that was, and he ends up you know, getting the nod when Doty went down. Although some people, for some people, that was a head scratcher. It made some sense, you know. Well, now we're eight games in. Like you said, Luke Doty's down. Nolan has played some. There's a, a couple, there's three other quarterbacks on the roster, you know, if you count Connor Jordan. And so you kind of go, all right. And, and the offense has been very poor. And so, Shake it up. I mean, there's a there's a good argument to be made. So that everything you know you could argue made sense up until now with what you've done personnel wise, um, but it would also make sense now to to you know make a change. Wes, is this a good time to dive into just some of these ugly statistics? I don't know if there's ever a good time. Um, you it's guys, painful. Uh, you guys, go ahead if you're if you're riding in the car right now, pull over, take a moment. Um, just prepare yourself mentally. These are tough for uh, the roller coaster that Chris is about to take you on. But yes, well, I, I will say this, man. Also, real quick on Jason yep. Brown, I feel like he he is more elusive um, than maybe he's been given credit for in the comments from you know from from the staff. Now I know he had, he lost a lot of weight this offseason. To me, dude, his shiftiness um, uh, appeared to be a strength on Saturday. So that that's and we've always known he could he could rip the thing. Uh, like he can throw it. I tell you, but he he did I, not to like pat anybody on the back in this situation, but Jason Brown did look pretty much exactly I think you were making this point earlier earlier exactly like what the book that we have tried to give people yeah on him was. It was that this dude will sling it around. Like there's not going to be any hesitation in him slinging it around. Little bit turnover prone in practice, um, but he looked in command. I'll, I'll say that like he looked pretty confident. He he looked like he was ready to hang in there. So so we'll see. All right, um, go you, go ahead, man. You remember when you remember when Ole Miss and I'm not South Carolina is not you know putting up points at this level, and I'm not making a straight comparison. You remember when Ole Miss had Bo Wallace, and they would yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Bad Bo would come out. Yes. Yeah. 
So, you know, I, those are the types of plays. Like Jason Brown's going to give you some things that um, probably even Luke Doty with his athleticism, you know, in a different way. Like a, he's going to give you a different look and a different skill set, being able to rip it, like you said. Um, he has that he, – he can throw from some interesting arm angles, right? He's willing to take shots, obviously. So those for an offense that needs – looks like they need a quarterback who can create a little bit more for them because they haven't created much in other ways, haven't been able to run the ball, haven't had explosive passing plays. That's there. But flip side, downside, um, the turnovers. And we did see that, you know, manifest itself in the A&M game with some actual turnovers – and some decisions that were less than stellar. So you would have to know going in that you're going to ride with that. And, and you hope that you can improve that, you know, in terms of the decision-making as well. All right. And speaking of, you, you mentioned Wes, um, before I get into these stats, um, you mentioned something about slipping, or slipping, but something being slippery, Jason Brown in the pocket. I'll tell you what's not slippery. Your dead socks, he sucks. Uh, okay. Not at all. Patented, in fact, no slip technology. So you got your dress socks on. Let's stay on all day. Patented no slip technology. Buttery soft field. That is what you can get with dead Soxy. Check out their whole catalog on deadsoxy.com. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. And you can get 25% off your entire order when you use the promo code COCKY. So, Wes, here's something I wanted to do today. And I, I went into this with no preconceived notions. Um, I wanted to take kind of a deeper dive into what we've seen from South Carolina's offense. And in particular, I kind of wanted to compare, all right, we know we can go through and say, well, South Carolina scored this many points against this team, but how does that compare against what other teams are doing? Right. Are they, are they performing better? Are they performing worse? How does that stack up? And is there any rhyme or reason to it? Is there any consistency? Is there any theme? And so before I get into those, there are obviously some stats on on kind of a broad scale that are not good. South Carolina's 102nd nationally in rushing yardage and also 102nd nationally in first downs on offense. Penalties for ga- per game tied for 119th. Now, the, the only thing I'll say, there are some pretty good teams at the bottom of that that have been penalized a lot, right? But for South Carolina, those penalties have made a huge difference and they have largely – not been good enough to make up for them. Um, they're also 112th, tied for 112th in total yardage on offense and 112th in scoring offense. So those are obviously alarming statistics. Now here's here's the rundown. Eastern Illinois is the only team this season that South Carolina's posted a season-high opponent offensive score on, meaning South Carolina, out of all the teams that Eastern Illinois has played, they scored the most points on Eastern Illinois. Now, your counterpoint, which is a good one, is probably that Eastern Illinois is 1-7, and they play in FCS. So they played FCS teams. South Carolina did put up the highest number of points on them. But that's the only one. East Carolina has given up at least 28 points to every team it's played this season except for UCF. Charleston Southern, for example, scored 28 points against ECU. They lost the game, but they scored 28. USC had the lowest SEC offensive output against Kentucky this season. Louisiana Monroe also scored 10 points against the Wildcats. Um, 
only Bowling Green out of FBS teams that has played Tennessee scored less points than Carolina. Um, Louisiana Monroe, Georgia Southern, and Texas State all scored more points against Troy than South Carolina did. Um, and here's here's one that's maybe the toughest to swallow. South Carolina and Colorado State, 21 points apiece in the Vandy game, are tied for the season low in opponent score against the Doors. In the other SEC games that Vandy has played this season, Wes, they've given up 62 to Georgia, 42 to Florida, and 45 to Mississippi State. UConn scored 30 points against Vandy, and East Tennessee State scored 23. I don't know if anybody, if the people can handle any more than that, so I'll go ahead. I was about to say, stop the count. Yep. Stop the count. Let's do it. Yep. That'll be good. So, let's boil it down, short version. Ouch. Those are rough. Interesting point from Travis. By the way, this uh, all of our chats are on our Primal Gourmet chat line. Uh, Travis bringing the heat as always. Um, put it very succinctly here clearly talent isn't the issue because less talented teams are doing better than us that, that's a i mean it's a great way to put it man like you you can everybody can argue how talented is this team how not talented you know it, it's it's a scale like you know maybe it's it's hard to, to necessarily quantify it completely but does south carolina have more talent than many of those teams you just mentioned i think that's probably a pretty safe assumption. Yep. I don't think people are going to argue against that, in other words. And I don't know, man. I just – here's the thing. You're going to have bad offensive days. You you are. Um, but this has been a bad eight weeks. Like, it just – it is what it is, man. When you have guys still, like, run, running into the ball when they're – the ball's being snapped into them and – um, players who are, are trying to – you have players who are trying to block and they're running into the running back as they're crossing the formation to block. Um, again, to me, it's, 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 not play, it's not play calling. It's just that the, the, whole, the whole thing isn't necessarily working. It's just not. The guys aren't able to execute it right now. Um, Brandon uh, asked earlier, is it play calling – logistics like let me go back and find your question brandon like literally getting getting the play in from oc to quarterback i i mean you hop in too chris i i don't know that it's necessarily that i i think early in the season you know georgia i mean you're sitting there like are they gonna get the play in or not um and, and they adjusted you know, to their credit, they said they they went more to the get the play in, get lined up, and then change it if if we need to situation. Well, you know, I I, I think for the most part they know the plays. Now, are, are there sometimes when maybe guys, certain you know, maybe one guy isn't getting the play and it blows the whole thing up, uh, particularly on the offensive line? Have we maybe seen that some? You know, maybe, but I also I think Satterfield's a guy, and and Brandon, for those of you who are on the audio version of the show his implication was should Satterfield call plays from on the field. Um, I I don't know that that fixes anything, to be honest with you, Brandon. I also don't know that anything – I wouldn't be above trying anything 
at, at this point. You know, now I, I do think Satterfield's probably Satterfield has probably spent his entire career in the booth as far as a play caller goes. So I, I think to go from seeing everything to not seeing everything, that's probably tough. Not not many guys can be like Spurrier and you know and, and call it from from the sideline. It's very difficult to to see what teams are doing from down there. I, I doubt it fixes anything, but who am I to say at this point, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a good point. And, and I think that's where people are right now is just what can you do the rest of this season? As you said, Wes, there is an opportunity. Now you'd have to steal a game. You're going to have to pull probably at this point a couple upsets. I mean, we'll, we'll see what the Missouri game ends up being. I do think they can run the football in Missouri, like – I think that will be no, dude. They they'll. This be, is gonna be. This isn't gonna end up being your Vandy thirty-eight point thirty-eight points moment for the Missouri. I can't wait for Missouri week. This is gonna be great. Oh man! But at no, least I owned that. I owned no, you that. Did, you um, did, you did. I, I just, dude. I I feel like Chris. I've reached the point. Um, I I was trying to find positives. Um, you know this this is called growing in your profession. Like, um watching Roper's offense back in the day, like I I was kind of like, well, wow, I, I'm seeing signs of progress here. I'm seeing signs of progress there. It's all going to click. One day it's all going to click. Oh, maybe next week it's all going to click. Yeah. And then the season was over, <laughs> you know? So it's like uh, my my – now I will say this. My 38 points at Vandy was just honestly because I thought Vandy might just be that bad. They are. Um, had not really a ton to do with with thinking that this was going to be a juggernaut, but based on the stuff you said earlier about Vandy and, and their inability, and I thought Vandy wouldn't move the ball in South Carolina's defense, frankly, as much yeah. as quite as well as they did, and I thought it would be um, kind of a situation where the offense kept getting the ball back. But um, but yeah, I'll own it. I'll own it. Uh, I, I wonder what the line. I, I know this is off in the distance now. I wonder what the line on the Missouri game is going to be because that'll be very curious to see what how Vegas yes. sees these two teams. Um, well, I, I don't know, man. That 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 will be an interesting week, though. I, I think going into it because Carolina fans are going to circle that one, kind of like th- this is the opportunity to win another game, and then. Uh, I think if they win that one, Carolina fans will convince themselves the Clemson game is winnable yeah. based yeah. on how bad Clemson has been on offense. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, and so they're, they're going to have to they're going to have to steal one somewhere. I mean, it, it may end up that they're not even favored against Missouri because Missouri, as bad as they've been, they have still been better most of the time than South Carolina has offensively. You know, when you look at their team, and so. If you're picking a team, to, who may score more points, Missouri or South Carolina? Advantage Missouri's offense, you know, but they they have not been a good team this year. So we'll see, but they're going to have to steal at least one game, uh, maybe even a couple, you know, to get to that six. Or, or We'll see. So I think that's where people are left. This is not good. Where are things going to go from here? What can be done to improve it? The point I made today, Wes, in the insider report was if Beamer hasn't made a change now – I, I would say the odds don't favor him doing so right now, you know, um, during the bye week before Florida, even after Florida, no matter what happens, like it wouldn't seem to favor that. That that could obviously change. I mean, it could be 
there could be a point. Let, let's say they have a they stink it up on offense against Florida again. Maybe Beamer looks at it and goes, not tenable anymore. Maybe you know, but it's it's really kind of a hard thing to predict. There's just not any hard information on that right now, and I don't even know if we can predict, you know, how he may end up feeling about things. So that's where people are left, you know, just wondering what can you do given that you do still have that possibility that's still technically on the table. You got four games. Can you make a bowl game? What can you do? And there's not a lot of answers right now. Um, but that's the frustration is that, you know, going through all those stats earlier where your, your Texas States and Charleston Southerns and these types of teams, you know, each game stands on its own. But that's a theme, Wes. That's the theme when you go throughout these games all year. And South Carolina has consistently been at the bottom of producing points against these teams. That's a theme. And so that's the frustration for people. of They've not maximized, you know, or, or gotten to reach the highest potential for this offense. Yeah, and I, uh, by the way, I appreciate Mark's, uh, Mark Anderson's tenacity in beating the Jason Brown and EJ Jenkins drum. I'll, I'll, I will say though, Mark, I'm, I'm with you on, on Jason Brown. I'm, I'm start. If it's me, I'm starting him next game. Like, uh, roll the dice and, and find out. But by the way, while we were talking, Chris, I pulled up the ESPN FPI just to see the percentages, and I, I figured the percentage of the Missouri of South Carolina defeating Missouri had gone down since last time I looked at it. That is true. Now, what, what do you what do you think FPI gives? South Carolina, as far as percentage chance of beating Missouri at Missouri. What they give South Carolina. Um, I'll go uh, 38%. Wow. Well done, sir. 39.2%. I really didn't look at it. That uh, that That is the highest uh, at this point. The highest percent, as you would expect. Um, what, what do you think is next – Highest. Oh man! All right, so Florida Clemson. You've got, you've got. Okay, we'll we'll lay it out for everybody because they're not looking at it. Four games left. Obviously, bye week this week. Florida at home at Missouri, then Auburn at home, then Clemson at home for South Carolina. I'll go bye week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, God, that's. So I would I would have to say it's between I would think between Clemson and Auburn. I would actually go Clemson. Incorrect. Although I will, I will say this, man. I think FPI is still giving. I think the analytics are still giving Clemson probably more credit than they. If if you had me lay it out right now, yeah, I think it would go Missouri, Clemson. This is from most winnable for South Carolina: Missouri, Clemson, Auburn, Florida. What do you think? Yeah, I'm probably there. I think Florida, I think it's gonna be very difficult to stop Florida's run game, man. Like they've run the football pretty well this year. South Carolina's defense, the fact that they they have not stopped the run, and it has been, um, in my opinion, a little bit of that has been maybe shaded by the fact that South Carolina's been so bad on offense that mm-hmm. um, it gets overlooked a little bit. But uh, FPI, however, has Missouri. Thirty-nine point two percent, as I said. And by the way, I know I know FPI. It's not the 
um, you know, end all be all, but it is a good discussion point. Auburn, um, 16.5. Clemson, 12.6. Florida, 12.5. Yikes. Those are, those are, chance. yeah, those are rough chances. You know, I, I think you look at, um, now Florida hasn't lit it up offensively by any means at, at certain times, but, um, you know, Clemson, I, I keep waiting on them to, okay, here comes the the breakout offensive game against Syracuse or whatever, and it doesn't happen. They kind of, until they do it, they are what they are. They do still, they have a lot of talent on offense still. They have had some injuries. Welcome to, you know, the Gamecock. All the Gamecock fans are like, welcome to our world, you know. It took five years for them to start. It took five years, yeah. So, you know, I, I just think – Clemson's defense is still quite good. And Carolina's going to run into some, aside from Missouri, they're going to run into some good defenses at the end of the year. You know, Florida can certainly heat you up, and um, they've done some good things this year defensively. They're a lot better than last year, you know, defensively. Auburn, you know, has some really good athletes. They played well on defense this year for the most part. And then Clemson's defense, obviously, is going to, you know, present a significant challenge too. So I'm not surprised that FPI, you know, with whatever formula they put in, not super surprised that they don't really like South Carolina's chances in any of those games. I am a little bit surprised at the ordering and maybe some of the percentages. Yeah. Why, why should they like South Carolina's chances at this point? You know? Um, so looking by the way, they, they do efficiencies for, for offense, defense, special teams overall um, ESPN efficiency rating for South Carolina their special teams is 36th in the country. Defense is 37th in the country. Um, so even with the defense showing some, you know, some some signs of uh, of struggle, uh, you know, not being able to stop the run, 37th in the country, very respectable, I think, considering expectations coming in. Offense, though, about what what you would expect, 114 in the country. So pretty the the sad thing is man pretty much whatever metric you look at. Like you want to go by just straight up stats. You want to compare stats. You want to go um ESPN FPI efficiency. You want to go look on PFF. It, it all matches what our eyes see yep. as well. Yep. Um by the way I, I don't normally Chris I don't want to have a long discussion about this cuz we don't really like to speculate you know, when a guy still has a job about who could replace him, uh, that's really not our our deal. We would never, like, write an article about that before a guy was let go. Um, but we did get a tip from uh, from Walter here who, who made a little donation to the show here and asked a question about OC. And So let's, let's talk big picture here. Would a big-name OC, would a Garrett Riley – that's his example um, – would would he would would South Carolina be in a position to go out and attract somebody? And I mean, dude, here's the thing: it's an SEC position, and mo- and money talks like mo- money talks. So, um, you know, is that a guarantee? Like, there, there's only so many guys. Obviously, they're going to fit what you're looking for. But uh, do I do I feel like South Carolina, if they had an opening, could go out and get somebody who could come in? and provide some excitement to that position? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, why wouldn't they be able to? Like, can can you specifically go get Garrett Riley? Who who knows? 
Who knows? I can't say that right now, yes or no. But um, th- does money talk? Do you have an SEC situation? Do you have a situation to come in and put in your, your own scheme somewhere at a place that, that supports their coaches? Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is It is a really hard question to answer. I, I think in a general sense, it's still an attractive job. Now, where's the guy coming from, whoever it is? Um, what's the financials? I mean, th- there's so many things to consider. And generally, these are – these are questions when you actually dive into a specific candidate that may or may not arise. These are things that we typically can get better answers to, you know, as that process is going along. Like hypothetically, if South Carolina has an opening, we're probably going to we're going to start hearing some names and we'll start hearing, well, this guy wouldn't come or this guy would come and, and the reasons why. So it's kind of hard to get that until you're actually in it and there's actually some some real to it you know, to where you can, where you can track it in a general sense. I think it's an attractive job. One one thing to consider for South Carolina, just to be realistic is that uh, OCs are going to look at the state of the roster and they're going to say, what's it look like? And what's the situation at whatever school I'm at? Um, South Carolina is not going to be in as good of a spot as some other programs in that regard. Uh, but they may have some other things that are a check mark for them compared to some other places. Um, you know, the head coach, the working environment, the money. I mean, th- there's different factors. I'd say in a general sense, it is attractive. Getting into individual candidates, you know, that becomes tougher to to kind of project right now. Charles, uh, with a comment here, Chris, that said, I, I say run a screenplay on every down. You jogged something in my brain, Charles. This team has struggled. Um, and you know, I think it was, I think it was Jordan Rogers who said this during the game Saturday, that there is an art, uh, to, to the screen game. And because there's such a, uh, there's a timing mechanism to this thing and how you run it. And when the timing is on, um, and you have a screen called against a, the proper defensive call, uh, the, the Weidermeyer tight end screen. That, that A&M ran, thing of beauty, uh, great play call, great execution. South Carolina, I don't remember, I don't remember many screens at all this year that have, they've been called, but I don't remember many just thinking, man, that thing was executed. It's been a, a guy, either it's blown up, uh, running back drops the ball, quarterback is slightly off, uh, the timing, it, it's been something every time. And I kind of wondered, you know, is that is that just another example, like another symptom, another um, another example of this offense just not quite being a cohesive unit? Because if you really think about it, that's another area where screen plays have you have to be in lockstep at all eleven for the most part. The timing has to be the same for every guy, and that has not been the case for South Carolina this year. Yeah, it's been – there was another uh, – something else said during the broadcast, and I think it was – I think it was communicated by Marcus Satterfield to the broadcast team that what, – what was the terminology, Wes? Do you remember that? It was something like we, we've we stunk at screens this year or we're bad at screens. I mean, it was something like that, you know, that yeah. – you know, the, the, the broadcast team always gets access to the coaching staff. You get a little extra scoop. A little extra scoop and a little extra insight that can kind of help them during their broadcast highlight certain things about a team, and uh, that was one of the things that they had 
they gleaned. And I mean, it's right. I mean, Charles, to your point, I don't know if you were joking or not, but I mean, we've talked earlier about, uh, we posed the question of, could it get worse? That would be, <laughs> apparently that would be one way they started running screens on every place on every play because it has not, you know, worked out for them this season. I was trying to find Wes some, some stuff from our guy at SEC StatCat about screens. We need to just get him on this week, man. Yeah, we just need to have him. Specifically, I'm more interested in running back screens because that's the area they've really struggled in. They have had, at times, some level of success with running some different screens to receivers and things like that on the outside. But running back screens, I, I cannot – I could be wrong. I don't remember a successful one this year. Yeah, I remember maybe a little quasi screen. I don't even know if you call it a screen where it was like um, it was like an out route um, to the running back that maybe had some of those built in uh, pick plays. You know, defensives call them pick plays, I guess. Uh, offenses call them rubs. Um, and, you know, where they're sort of legal, but kind of not, and they're designed like that. Maybe against Troy, I think there was a play like that. I don't know if I would necessarily not, there have not been any that I have remembered that are like traditional, you know, offensive line lets the pass rush come through. Offensive line shifts their direction. Quarterback waits to the exact right time, flips the ball to the running back, and it just works. Like, I, I don't I don't remember many of those at all, man. So, uh, we'll close it out on that. Uh, appreciate all of our sponsors. Uh, Clint Hammond, of course, presenting sponsor. Uh, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network, Promo Gourmet. You see it right there, PromoGourmetSC.com. You can use the code GCOC20 off your first order to get you um, some money off. And then Dead Soxy, of course, uh, check out Dead Soxy, DeadSoxy.com, and use the code COCKY for a uh, some money off your first order. For Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate all of you joining us. Uh, come on over to GameCockCentral.com. We'll have plenty of discussion and analysis about what went wrong on Saturday, and, of course, uh, information on the Gamecocks moving forward. I appreciate y'all, and we'll see you soon.